Our summer series theme this year is the mystical body and the sacraments. And to kick off the series, we are welcoming to the stage Father Matt Face, CSC, and Amanda, Amanda Vernon as they present on One Body, Many Parts, When God Wrecks Your Romance. Amanda Vernon is a full-time recording artist and author who has shared her music and faith across the United States and six foreign countries in venues as diverse as World Youth Day in Sydney and Madrid to singing the national anthem at Lambeau Field for Monday Night Football. Amanda regularly releases new original songs, scripture reflections, and a podcast on her social media channels. Originally from the Midwest, Amanda resides in Phoenix, Arizona with her husband and their four young children. Now, I met our next speaker, Father Matt Face, one of my first weekends in South Bend. He made me feel welcome before I knew anyone here. Father Matt is a priest of the Congregation of Holy Cross. Originally from Rockford, Michigan, he attended the University of Notre Dame, graduating with a Bachelor of Arts in Theology and a Master of Divinity. He professed perpetual vows in 2014. Since his priestly ordination in 2015, Father Matt served as an associate pastor for the Holy Redeemer Parish in Portland, Oregon, and as campus minister and athletic chaplain of Stonehill College before he commenced his current assignment as the associate pastor of St. Joseph Parish in South Bend, Indiana. Please help me welcome Father Matt and Amanda. Now, if you don't know these songs, you can just smile and say rutabaga repeatedly without any sound like this. you to try it. Okay, so I'm going to start part of this these songs and then I'll, I'll drop out and it'll be your turn. Are you with me? I'm looking for some nonverbal feedback. Just like a little nice. Thank you for the thumbs up. Wow. Nods. This is going well. Alright, here we go. there 
Proverbs, right? 16 to 47, 48. All right, so if some of you happen to be on the more like Father Matt and my side of young adults, um, the next song I'm going to play is one that you're going to know and love. I know you will because we know and love it. Okay, and so if you sing this song, which I'm inviting you to, I'm asking you to please sing from your heart. All right, here we go. I'm talking eye contact, talking attitude. Okay, I'm talking, you might have to maneuver your body to a different position to be able to look at this person. Maybe you've never met this person. This is a wonderful, wonderful way to make friends. Outside and and together. Um, as we begin, thank you for um, singing that into someone else's face. If, uh, as Amanda said, if you want to make friends, that's a great way to know if you're going to be friends or not. Just pick someone at random, sing that to them. Um, as Amanda said, also uh, there'll be some presentation pieces, but we really want to make sure that that you're involved in all of this and that that we feel comfortable together thinking about these things and talking about them. So um, I have a f- just a few questions for us to start with. We've already broken into some groups, so that, that's good as, as we do this. Uh, the first question, uh, if, if your voice, no, 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 if your laugh, if the sound of your laugh was replaced by the sound of any musical instrument, what sound would you want your laugh 
What musical instrument would you want your laugh to be? Make sense? Think about it. Turn to someone, groups of two, three, four, discuss quickly. All right. Very good, very good. We got some, some good discussion here. I don't want to cut you off, but I'm gonna. So what, just a quick raise of hand, who wants to share what, what they said or what someone else said? A trumpet. Why a trumpet? You want a loud, aggressive laugh. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I get it. What else? Another one. Why a piano? A lot of rain. All right. Just a whole bunch of different noises. All right, one, one more. A flute. All right, why a flute, Audrey? Because you play the flute. You're familiar with it? All right, that's good. That's good. All right, one more. A rain stick. Why a rain stick? <laughs> you want a soothing laugh unlike your normal laugh. All right. All right, that's good. That's good. I, I always think it would be fun to have a, a, a trombone because you could get the slides, right? Whoa. Or, um, or a muted trumpet, I think. Wah, wah, wah. I think it'd just be a good, a good laugh to have. All right, maybe a little more focused and on point here for the next question. Uh, one body, many parts. That's the first half of um, what we're talking about here. That's, of course, coming right from the New Testament and how we as baptized Christians are uh, all baptized and incorporated into the body of Christ. Yet we're coming together with who we are, with who God made us to be. So, if you were a member on a Megazord team, like the Power Rangers or something like that, where you had a robot that joined up with other robots to form an even bigger robot, right? What part of the giant robot would you be? And what would the giant robot form? Does that make sense? All right, discuss. All right, well, it looks like we've got um, some good, hopefully some vibrant discussion um, about those different parts. Uh, I'm not going to call too many people out, but does anyone want to volunteer what what part of the giant robot they would want to be? Yeah, yeah, Voltron's uh, green left arm. Yes, excellent, excellent choice. That's a great one. What else? Anyone else? All right. But, well, I mean, just any any piece, though, right? All right, all right. Amanda had said uh, she'd want to be the tail because it's uh, it's mostly for show, but uh, but then when you're least expecting it, bam, gets you. So that's good. I think I'd want to be a kneecap. It's a pretty unassuming part, but super important. Right? If the knee goes down, that robot's not getting anywhere. You gotta protect the knees. Alright. Alright. Well, hopefully, um, not only, uh, do we have this time to speak with each other, get a little bit more comfortable with, uh, who we're sitting around and all that, and also just the, uh, manic energy that I can bring sometimes. Uh, you get to laugh at me, if at no one else. That's at least a bonus, I hope. Um, but as uh, we begin, we'll transition back 
uh, as we continue to share uh, our topic here tonight. First Corinthians chapter 12, starting with verse four. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit. There are different forms of service, but the same Lord. There are different workings, but the same God who produces all of them in everyone. Amen. But one and the same spirit produces all of these, distributing them individually to each person as he wishes. As a body is one, though it has many parts in all the parts of the body, though many are one body, so also Christ. It's, it's an honor to be here with you to share a little bit of my testimony of trying to find out God's call in my life, his specific call for me, in the specific gifts that he's given to me as an individual, but also as how, how those gifts might be at the service of the church. So I'm going to share a little bit of my testimony, then I'm going to hand it off to Father Matt. He's going to share a little bit of his priestly journey, and uh, we will then have some discussion questions for you to also ask some similar questions that, that we've asked of ourselves. What is God calling me to, and, and how can I answer with my life? So I'm going to start my story when I was 20 years old, the other day, and um, I was on a pilgrimage in Europe. My European music tour is technically like a pilgrimage um, where I, I like led music for mostly elderly people, but I considered it my tour, okay? And um, so I traveled around with a little keyboard with battery power and we would set up in all these beautiful basilicas or small chapels depending on which part of the countryside we were in the theme of our pilgrimage was a new heart our our our, our pilgrimage leader was father jose luis quintana he was the, my pastor growing up in grand rapids michigan just up the road and uh, father jose would say you must pray for a new heart and i was like okay father jose you say it i'll pray it all right he was very passionate so all throughout Europe, I'm here praying for a new heart. I'm like, I don't know why I need a new heart, but he asked me to pray for it. So I will. So hit me, you know. And so <laughs> at one point in this pilgrimage, I found myself in Fatima, Portugal. And something was was deeply troubling my heart. OK, so I was 20 years old. I have been in love. I I have been thinking of one boy, one specific boy, who I met in person. Okay, this is not like a Nick, what is his name, Lachey situation. Um, so I I was thinking of one boy for about seven years. Okay, I hadn't dated anybody in high school because I just thought of this this one guy and 
Now, here I was, 20 years old. We hadn't started dating yet, so I was waiting for that to happen. And um, I was like, okay, Lord, I'm ready to move on. But he's on my heart, so I don't know what to do, so please remove him. Thank you. And it hadn't been happening. And so here I am in Fatima with my rosary in my hand, in a chapel, praying. And I said, Lord, this might sound ridiculous, but you know my heart, so I'm just going to say my ridiculous thoughts to you. I said, Lord... Please show me who my future spouse will be by the end of this decade of the rosary. Our father. (laughs) So I'm praying. I'm moving through the beads. Other people start filing into the chapel. I'm realizing at the top of the hour, there's going to be a mass. So I'm like, this is going to be a roaming rosary. So I like excuse myself. From the chapel, I'm walking around I'm, and I'm looking around, right? It just so happens, just so happens that this, this young man who I've been thinking of for all those years, I knew that he was actually studying abroad in Europe at the time. And I was like, maybe he will show up. Maybe. Hail Mary. <laughs> Full of grace. You know, I turned to the side. There's like an elderly dude. I'm like, keep walking. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou. And so I'm getting, to, I'm approaching the end of the decade of the rosary and I'm out in, in, in Fatima. I don't know if anybody has been, but there's this huge piazza, right? Where like thousands of people can gather. But on this warm, sunny autumn day, it was really open. So I'm just like, this is, I'll know when I see him, right? And so I'm getting toward the last beat. I'm like, okay. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women any time. Really, my eyes are open. And blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. I'm like, I'm, I feel like you're going to answer. I trust you. Holy Mary, Mother of God. Okay, Holy Spirit, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. And then I looked up and there in front of me was a man looking at me with a smile on his face. His arms outstretched it was a statue of Jesus. Amen. And I thought to myself, does this mean I'm going to be a nun? So I just stared at the statue of Jesus and he smiled back at me for a while. And then all of a sudden I remembered in my 20 year old heart, I'd heard something about how the church is the bride of Christ. Those words that my parents had taught me, that my youth directors had said to me in high school kind of came back to me, the bride of Christ. So I'm staring at Jesus and something just unlocked in my heart. And I realized deeply in that moment that my ultimate future spouse is Jesus. And it really took the pressure off of looking for my like temporary future spouse. <laughs> because I realized if God is calling me to marriage, then I'm not looking for the perfect man. I'm looking for someone to point me to Jesus. And if indeed I am called to be a nun, a sister, I'll wear my wedding veil every day to symbolize that union with Christ that I'm heading toward anyway. And my heart was filled with peace. I'd like to tell you about sort of the end of that pilgrimage and how it directed me in my, my vocation. Uh, with my new heart. But first, I'm going to pause my story there, and I'm going to hand it over to Father Matt to share a little about how he discerned not only the priesthood, but the religious life with the Congregation of Holy Cross. So my uh, my own vocation story uh, starts with my family. They, they talk to all of us kids um, about the possibility of being a priest or a brother or a sister. So it was... It was always an option for me. 
Um, and that was important as I was growing up because I, I could be a lot of different things. Uh, and I could also be a priest or a brother. So as, as I was going through and getting ready for college, I realized that I had this question. I, I thought God might be calling me to the priesthood, maybe. And I had no idea how to figure out if he was or wasn't. Right? I knew how to figure out some of those other pieces. If he was calling me to, uh, do different, different vocations, different jobs in my life, I had, I had a sense of how to figure those things out. But, but the priesthood, I really, I really didn't. And it was a question that would go away, but, but then when I'd really think about it, that question was always there and it just, I just knew it wasn't going to go away. I, I had to really ask the question, and I had to ask the question well. Is God calling me to this or not? So I decided I'll just ignore it for a while. And right after I decided that, I, I heard about old college um, at, uh, at Notre Dame with, the, with the, the undergraduate seminary for the Congregation of Holy Cross. And as it was pitched to me, it was a situation, a, a setup for guys in college to ask the question, what's God calling me to do? Is it, is it the priesthood? So I thought, well, well, shoot, that's exactly what I thought I needed. <laughs> so I went down and I visited and I was really impressed with, with the people in the program, with the people running it. Um, and I really did get this sense that, that yeah, I, if I'm serious about answering this question, I need to do this, right? Be in a, in a situation where there's formation, where there's daily mass and daily prayer, where there's people around to support and really first teach me the, the language of discernment so that I can uh, pray and discern well what God is calling me to. And I was pretty sure, too, that, you know, if, if I went and, and did this and committed to it, in one year, I'd have built up all of these skills in my spiritual life, and I would be able to answer the question, is God calling me to the priesthood? No. Okay, move on, right? So as I was uh, grappling with this, I, I realized that, yes, the Lord is inviting me into this program, and, and I need to take this seriously. So I entered as a freshman in college. I, I started out at Holy Cross College. Um, was two years there, ended up at Notre Dame with old college all throughout. It was a wonderful experience for me, and it really did what it uh, promised it would do. First, teach me just the, the basics of discernment, of how to pray, how to listen, how to focus on God, to be able to understand and listen to his will, his path, his promptings. And then make a good and prayerful decision based on those things, right? An interesting piece of all of this for me, though, was when I first arrived at Old College on my visit, I had never met a Holy Cross priest. I'd never met a Holy Cross religious at all. I didn't ever think who ran Notre Dame. I mean, just absolutely embarrassed to admit. I, I, if you'd asked, I probably would have said, like, Jesuits? <laughs> so I, I, I didn't... I didn't know Holy Cross at all when I went down. And 
I was thinking like, as I was realizing it was formation for Holy Cross, I'm like, well, yeah, yeah, but if God's calling me to the priesthood, it'll, it'll be in the diocese back in Michigan, maybe in northern Michigan if I'm lucky, right? Hang out, hang out in the woods all the time and then just come out on Sundays for mass. That'd be nice. Um, so I, I had this sense that I, w- I was discerning this amorphous cloud of the priesthood and that's what brought me in. But throughout my time in Old College, throughout my time with Holy Cross, I really started to fall in love with the congregation, with uh, the great uh, examples of the faith that we have, Father Corby, Father Moreau, uh, St. Andre. As I was learning about these characters, I loved it. I loved the, the family feel of Holy Cross. I come from a big family with a lot of crazy uncles, so I just fit in immediately. It was great, right? And as my my own formation progressed, I realized that that original question that brought me into formation, this discerning of the priesthood, really wasn't the most important question for me. As I was going through my formation, I realized the real question that God was inviting me to ask is if he was calling me to be a religious and to be a religious in Holy Cross. And for me, that crystallized in a series of things and in some beautiful ways of, of recognizing that uh, that it was Holy Cross that was drawing me forward, not merely this idea of the priesthood. And I had a number of opportunities with uh, seminarians in diocesan seminaries and things and uh, I was able to meet one guy, Cody, from Wyoming, and he was so excited about the prospect of being just like a Lone Ranger priest out in the middle of Wyoming, just running around with like three different parishes, and he loved that. And I thought, I would hate that. (laughs) But for me, that was a great clarifying piece of like, well, it's not that one is good or bad. Cody's going to be excellent out in Wyoming. And I wouldn't be. And that's okay. There were some pieces that really helped me identify uh, that it was Holy Cross. It was the family and the community that Holy Cross had that was going to help me uh, see the office regularly. Right? Stay committed to prayer and focused on what I'm going to do. All these pieces that were really leading me in a beautiful way. And so it was at the very end that right when I professed my final vows in Holy Cross, I was able to recognize that all of this was uh, an offering of love that God was was giving to me. That God loved me so much uh, that the only thing I could offer was was my life. Everything else he already had. Right? And even that, still already his. But in that moment, I was able to recognize that invitation from God to offer my life and give it to him. And that moment of final vows was really, really awesome. I was grinning like an idiot the whole time. There's video evidence of that, of course, at the Basilica. And of course, it is... uh, 
also that that God is inviting me to live out my religious life as a priest. But it was a beautiful journey for me to recognize that the bigger question was about religious life first. Now that uh, brief story, description of my of my discernment, it was always that peaceful. I'm just kidding. Those are just like the big touchstone moments, right? There was a lot of craziness and a lot of uncertainty in the midst of all of it. A lot of moments of really, really grappling and being confused and uh, being angry at times, but trusting all the, le- all the while. I think it's important when we reflect on our vocations and the stories, the things that have led us to where we are, that we can focus on those big, important touchstone moments, but also that we acknowledge the uh, the messiness, the humanity, the, the life that uh, lives through all of it. So there I was, 20 years old, in Europe, and we finished uh, the pilgrimage that I was on, or the European tour, I mean, in in the Basilica of St. Therese of Lisieux. So I was in the crypt chapel, they call it, right, under, under the ground, and the acoustics were amazing, and we were singing, and we were praying, and I was like, all right, Lord, a new heart, here I am. Father Jose, he said to pray, ready. And nothing happened that I could tell. And then that night I was, I was running. Does anybody else run when you just like, you had like, you, you're tense and you want to feel happy. You run. Anyone? Hello, my people. Where are you? I know. Yes, my people. Thank you. So I was running in Paris. It's just as picturesque. Maybe not the running part for everybody else over here, but the rest of it is just as picturesque as you can imagine. Cobblestone streets sparkling in the lantern lights. And I was running with um, one of the younger pilgrims who came with us and our pilgrimage leader. And all of a sudden in my heart, I felt so so free and just so happy and I said aloud I am so happy and two things happened in that moment simultaneously first I realized for the first time in seven years I wasn't waiting for the one boy you know the one boy who was on my heart the whole time I I wasn't waiting for him anymore I wasn't waiting for him to come so that I could be like happier so my life could be fulfilled I realized I had everything I needed even in that in that moment and at the same moment that I said aloud I'm so happy the heavens opened and warm autumn rain descended like And all of a sudden we were drenched and the streets are just pouring with water. And we're going, what is this? And so we ran back to the hotel and we're standing underneath the awning. And I didn't tie it together until later. But listen to the words from the prophet Ezekiel. This was where our theme, A New Heart, came from, all right, from Ezekiel chapter 35. I will sprinkle clean water over you. 
to make you clean from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will cleanse you. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove your heart of stone uh, from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Later on, I was telling a friend about this. She's like, ah, clean water pouring on you, Paris. Hello. I'm like, oh, wow. It was like prophecy. Okay, so the next morning I woke up in Paris. I started thinking about my good friend David, who I I grew up with in Grand Rapids. And he had been trying to date me for a year. But I was like, yeah, no, I'm like in love with somebody else. It's complicated. And you're in the friend zone forever. And so, but all of a sudden I started thinking about David. I was like, I wonder how David is, which was odd because I wouldn't just wake up in the morning being like, I wonder who David is. And so (laughs) by the time I got back to Grand Rapids, I realized this affection in my heart for David. Like, I can't get into it now because I'm going to cry. I'm going to tell you about the four adorable children David and I ended up having after we got engaged and married within definitely within the year from then. It was like we we started dating two weeks later. We got engaged four months later and then we were married six months later. And now we have four kids. Thank you. Um, I would love to just end now. End this talk. Father Matt gave his his vocational story. I gave mine. We're all happy. And everything is clean. Okay, so we can do that. We can stop here. We can go into small groups. Or right before we go into small groups, we can tell you about the twist in the story. All right, all right, okay, okay. You convinced me. At least 70% of you see this coming. The rest of 30% of you, here you go, here you go, here you go. All right, the boy I was waiting for for seven years. Yeah, yeah. So I, I had, we met at a youth retreat when we were kids. We'd see each other periodically at these youth retreats, but I was a city child and he was a country boy. And so we really didn't see each other regularly. But I thought of him, prayed for him. I decided with the Lord that once I, once he graduated from high school, um, cause I was a year ahead because I was homeschooled. That's a different story. I, um, I was going to tell him about my feelings for him and then we could get engaged and married and have 10 kids. So I had my life planned. But then it turned out that he joined the seminary um, right before he signed up for seminary, right before he graduated from high school, which put a damper on my talking with him plans. And so once the Lord changed my heart. I was so happily engaged with David. It was like I could see that all that time I spent waiting for seminarian boy, I was really waiting for David, right? And God was preparing. I know you see, you see. Okay, but I needed to say those words finally. Like before I walked down the aisle, I had I had to tell him. Like I couldn't. I told David, of course, and David's like, I think that would be really good for you, right? So I asked seminarian boy, I'm like, hey, could you come back to town for a little while and we could just like meet up? It was going to be our first date, which was hilarious. Um, we could just meet up and I could just tell you like what's going on with me. He has some engaged <laughs> and he wrote back instantly and was like, yeah, I would I would love to see you. Congratulations. I'll be there. So there we were sitting across this little diner table from each other eating like omelets because we went for brunch. And I was able to say all those words that I had wanted to say for years, but now from a different perspective, from the perspective that God had put in my heart. 
And I was like, and then David, and then a water falling from the sky in Paris. And then I've been praying for you. Now you're going to be a priest. And I'm going to get married. And it's so amazing. God's providence is planned for us, right? And he said, really? Because I always had the biggest crush on you too. And then he said, it's not too late, is it? And I laughed like you're laughing now because I thought he was joking. <laughs> so I changed the subject. And then again, he was like, so uh, you're good, though. He wasn't joking. I'm like, yes. Okay, these are the words. Seven years, seven years. I had just been waiting and praying for and waiting. And the Lord was like, don't speak yet. And I was like, yes, I'm waiting. And now. And then a third time, this time with tears in his eyes, he was like, so no. And I checked my heart. I was like, immediately no, immediately no. Sorry. I was like, no. And I think we should pray. So we prayed together. And um, I'm going to turn, I'm going to turn the mic over. (laughs) Can you feel the tension in here? In here, under? the beautiful sky. I can feel it even though we're outside. All right. So I would turn the mic over to no longer seminarian boy. (laughs) Now the godfather of one of my daughters and one of my dearest friends. You know what a slow clap is? It starts slowly and then it like builds to a thunderous applause. Right. Father Matt Face. Look, in my defense, when, when, when I first met Amanda, I was in eighth grade. Um, and I was not an early bloomer. So I was in eighth grade and, and she was leading music on uh, a youth group retreat. She was in high school already. Big difference. Later I found out I'm older, but at the time that didn't matter, right? So she was up there leading music and I, I was so impressed and just struck right away from um, her faith and her confidence and the way that she was able to, to command this um, massive group of middle schoolers in a way that helped them to pray. thought that was really impressive. And I knew that right from that moment, she was way out of my league. I just, I just knew it. Right? Uh, I was able to meet her then, and uh, our youth groups eventually got together quite a bit, and we went to Steubenville conferences together and different things like that. And each time uh, that Amanda and I were together, I... It, it was wonderful, right? I, I could tell she had a deep faith. Uh, she was caring and awesome, and that was that was exciting, right? I wanted to be, uh, I wanted to be near her as we were doing all these things. But I knew, not uh, not a chance. So when she told me the whole time, I was like, "What? Wait, what do you mean? Seven years? That's..." And I could see all of our different interactions, right? They, they all 
stretched out before me, and I could see them. Oh. Oh. Oh, that's what... Uh, oh, no! Right, I, I, I could just see all of these instances that I missed, all of these um, moments that I just didn't recognize for what they were or what they could have been, right? And, and I was so shocked by that, right? In this one breakfast, I had all of these opportunities uh, just open up in front of me, all of these things that could have been. It was a lot. And I also realized in all of this that, that I, had, I had misinterpreted a lot of things with Amanda. So I wasn't, I was going to make sure I wasn't misinterpreting this one. So now, should I have asked three times? No. But I wanted to be sure because this was such a moment of, of confusion, of really undermining a lot of my own prayer and discernment and what was, what was happening here, right? And then Amanda suggested we prayed and I thought, good idea. <laughs> I was in my fourth year of the seminary at the time. So I'd, I'd, I'd learned a lot, but I still had about four or five years to go. So I thought, okay. So as, as we prayed, I felt calm and peace return. Not all the way, but some, right? I was able to put, uh, some of those skills I had been learning to good use. But how was the Lord speaking to me? How had He been in the past? And was that, uh, true then? And is it, is it true now? And I remembered also that throughout all of my time, in formation especially, um, I continued praying for Amanda. And I would prayed something like uh, that Amanda would be safe and protected, that anyone who would harm her would be kept far away, and that the Lord would bring into her life uh, a good man, right? The right man who would help protect her, who would lead her to God. The right man, you know, a man who is, who is going to be better than me. Now, that prayer I'd prayed, I also worded it cleverly enough that it, it still could have been me. Right? But I meant that, right? I wanted that for her. And so as we prayed, I was able to see that, that this prayer had been uh, confirmed and that it was... David, for her. And what a beautiful gift and grace that was. So I was able to recognize that even though I had all of these opportunities suddenly uh, jump back up in front of me, I could also feel the Lord gently closing those doors again. A sense of... Um, Confirmation in the challenge. Confirmation in the question of it. And I was able to see and remember that one of the huge pieces for us in Holy Cross is this focus on divine providence. Right? That 
God is acting in our lives, and God's providence is leading us uh, to beautiful things. And often we can see the path of God's providence of how God is leading us best in retrospect. That when we stop and look back, we can tell that God has been with us on this journey, especially in those moments where it really seemed like he wasn't. I know we have those moments, we all of us, of thinking, where is God in this? And if we persist in faith, trusting in his providence, trusting that he's with us, we will see some point in the future that, yes, God was with me then, especially then he was with me. Those are beautiful and grace-filled moments when we can recognize. And if we really believe that, if we really trust in God's providence, then any time that we can't recognize God, any time we we can't connect with God in prayer, any time we're having that that struggle of seeing where could, how could God possibly be in this, we can know that if we trust, there will be some point in the future when we look back on today and recognize God's presence. Yes, it might not make sense right now, but surely, surely, God is acting. God is always leading. So I have a question. I converted to Catholicism about 11 years ago. Nice. And um, you mentioned how your family was supportive and saying, like, you could enter the priesthood or be a brother, that kind of thing. And my question is, how do we encourage our children to do that when uh, my husband is not Catholic and I am? Mm-hmm. So that's my question. Excellent question. Um, that's it's an important one, too, right? Uh, what's that? Don't trip? Yeah, I won't. I might. Um, All right. Excellent. Yeah, perfect. All right, thanks. How's this? Tell us your fatherly ways, please. Um, You know, I I think uh, similar to how you could encourage your kids to do anything that you think is good and noble and beautiful. Um, that you can you can encourage them to pursue the, the priesthood or religious life in in any of those same ways, right? Um, and uh, maybe the, the the first step is just saying, we want you to follow God's will, whatever that is, right? And that could be X, Y, and Z priesthood, religious life, any of these things, right? Um, so I think that can be a great thing of, of vocalizing it as an option, but even just saying, we want you, I want you to recognize where God is calling you and, and to follow that. Other thoughts? Nice. I think that for both of us growing up, it was like religious life was normalized in our families. So I like how you said, like, you could encourage your kids in the same way that you encourage them to do other good things. And so that's, I I experienced that 
as well. So I, I'm not in the same situation, so I can't presume to know what that's like. But I just know what I experienced, which was helpful for me um, to like have an open heart to God's will, especially when it came to vocation. And that was like that my parents would like mention it regularly. So I heard it enough times that it was like on my mind and on my heart. talked about in our group was how it's easy to, in retrospect, see how God is working in your life and tell these stories of like, oh yeah, you know, this unexpected thing and now I'm here and I love it. Um, but it's a lot harder to know how God is moving in this moment with you, especially when you're in a time of transition or waiting. Um, and I guess just wondering to the two of you, any thoughts on like how to listen better to God in the moment or to wait through the moments of uncertainty or anything around that kind of discernment in the present. I mean, it sounds like you're describing faith. I mean, you're like, I'm trusting, but I can't see. (laughs) Like, I can't feel for sure if this is right, and yet I want to be following God. Like, that's beautiful. I just want to, like, applaud you because that's that sounds like faith to me. Um, So I don't really have any advice other than, like, wow, keep going. (laughs) Yeah, I think... um trusting or recognizing first that that feeling is normal. Like if that's, that's an appropriate feeling to have about our faith. Cause that's, as Amanda says, that's what faith is. That, that, that uncertainty yet desiring to trust. And it's not like normal, just like anybody would feel that, but like also like in our faith tradition, the saints who we look up to, it's the normal path of sanctity, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, another piece of this, uh, I'm, I'm a, a big proponent of the fact that God speaks to each of us how we can hear, mm-hmm. right? God knows who he's talking to. He made you. He knows how you listen, right? Um, so trusting in those pieces as well, that if the Lord is speaking to you in the past in these ways, good chance he's still doing it like that, right? Now, things can change and there can be other pieces, but... Yeah. But trusting in that history as well, I think, is an important piece to it all. Maybe I can add just one one more note on this subject of like faith and, and trusting when when it feels really confusing. Uh, just to play off of what you're saying about like how God knows who He's speaking to. Um, another phrase I like to use to say that same thing is like God speaks your language. And so the way that I've heard it described that really helped helps like comfort me. And those moments is that like, um, let's say you, you usually hear God in a really gentle whispering voice. Maybe you're just out in nature and it's nothing like symbols and like loud mariachi music or something, uh, but it's just in this gentle whisper. But this time, like you're hearing like the band is playing and it's loud and you're like, is this you God? Like chances are like probably following how God is consistent that's not how he's going to get your attention this time either. Um, now I'm not saying like that's, you know, just like follow this analogy forever, but it, it helps me. Right. And so, um, for instance, like one of the ways that I know I, I can hear God's voice is through specific words and specific symbols. Like I showed you, told you that Paris story, right? And like, what was I praying about? A new heart and the, and the verses about the clean water pouring down. And here I was vocalizing my trust in God and here's clean water pouring down. So it's like those ways of being aware of God, like keep showing up 
And so hopefully maybe that resonates. Thanks. His fault, not my fault. Um, thank you so much for both of you for your talk. Um, how do we continue to grow in our vocations? Like I got married relatively recently. Thank you. Go Irish. Um, uh, (laughs) that's not the end of my vocation, but how do I continue to grow in that? Like, am I continue? Is is it like, do I change jobs? Do I like keep listening to God's plan? Do I, you know, go become an Eastern Catholic and become a married priest? Like what? (laughs) I'm already Eastern Catholic. I don't have to switch. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like, how do, I don't like, like vocation is not like a, one thing it's like a constantly moving thing that God's constantly calling us to but how do we continue to answer that call as like we kind of move on steps of our steps of our lives kind I'm of so thing. excited for you thank oh, you by the way gosh it's so great marriage is so great okay I better stop gushing for a second you go ahead thanks I'm just um, gonna get it together get myself together real quick yes that's a you're exactly right that like it's not for any of us like hey I got my vocation check the box done no, it's like now the work begins, right? Like now life continues in um, and goes forward. But I think the important um, frame of reference for that question is um, one of the points of our vocation is to lead us to God, right? So that it's this particular circumstance or commitment or way of life, this is the path that's going to lead you ever closer to Christ's heart, right? So as as a priest, when I was ordained, it's not like, good, I'm in heaven now. Like, no, 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 right? Um, but by living this out, by being truthful to my commitments, by living that and doing that, I will progress in holiness and grow closer to uh, to heaven eventually, right? I mean, but you get glimpses of heaven. Absolutely. Your vocation. Okay, so um, where did he go? Where's her? Oh, hi. Hi. I see you. Okay. All right. So um, I'm so excited. So my husband said to me shortly after our first child was born, which was like nine ish months after we got married. And so he says he says to me, he's like, how are we going to go? How are we going to serve God now? And so I remember the way that I remember this happening is I was changing Jamal's diaper, our son, and he was about like 10 months old, which if any of you parents know, it's like the, this such a cute, sweet, but they're strong. Their abdomen strong. And you're trying to like, you have to like wrestle them sometimes to change their diaper because they're like, wow, I'm on the floor. I'll crawl away. And so I was like trying to keep Jamal still. And David's like, like, how are we going to clothe the naked? I'm like, just a second. Right. And then later we're continuing to talk about it. And I like sit Jamal into his little high chair. I'm like, you know, giving him some sweet potatoes or something and and david's like how are we gonna like feed the hungry you know and i put jamal into his crib that night he's like how are we gonna visit the imprisoned i'm like i don't know stay in there please jamal right but like i i do remember that at the same day that he asked me that question like how are we gonna do these things that like we feel called to do realizing like oh it's embedded <laughs> it's embedded right in our vocation of marriage and i and i have to believe that even if there's a couple who who is not blessed with children biologically that there's going to be a fruitfulness to their to their love that's going to live out that call right and and even as father matt meant described happens with his vocation as well so i'm i'm so excited for you congratulations hi thanks for sharing so um 
this might not be a high note to end on as far as questions, but um, after you had that brunch, <laughs> how, what was, um, I, I would imagine there's a temptation to doubt. Could you talk about, like, was there a period of time after that brunch where you were both like, wait, sure. what? Is that something to mm-hmm. go revisit again? Yeah, thank you. So, you know how we're, we're, our theme tonight is, um, what is our theme about the body parts? <laughs> One body, many parts. One body, many parts. Right, and so... Um, we read from First Corinthians about how there are different gifts, right, but the same spirit. And um, one of one of my personal like charisms, one of the gifts that God has given me is faith. Like God gives us all faith, but I, I've been able to recognize in my heart this par- particular gift to like when I come to believe something, I I I rarely doubt, and and that happens. That goes with my personality. Um, which is great, also challenging, right? Like, um, I go really fast in life. Today, I stub my toe really super bad because I was just going so fast because I'm so excited, right? It's like personality. But it's also the gift of the spirit to be like, this is what God is calling me to. No turning back. And so I see how God's gifts in myself and in Father Matt, like, allow us to have this friendship now and have allowed for me to not have doubts. Like, I just don't. I just didn't. Like, when I came to believe that God was calling me to marriage with David, it's because he was speaking my language, and I I felt like I could believe without doubt at that moment. Like, there's some of those moments where the veil is lifted, and we get a glimpse of heaven. We just get, like, that just just foresight. And that's how I felt about David. So there was no... There was no dissuading me from that or or I I just hadn't questioned and I haven't, thanks be to God, um, which is really helpful for being friends. Yeah. Um, So for me, I I definitely racked with doubt right then, right? Um, But as I was able uh, to come off of that and, and feel the Lord a gentle presence like, no, this is okay. I was able to see why that made sense, right? <laughs> where, where each of us were and how the Lord had been working. Um, and um, so th- there was that peaceful sense for me then. Um, after, I mean, I, I think when we talk about doubts, there, there could be a number of things we talk about, right? Um, and some of it is like a thought about like, man, I wonder if, and I think, like those I definitely have often about a lot of things, right? And that's okay. Um, and then because we can take those pieces like, gosh, Lord, was this, am I following you? Like, is this the right thing? Take that into prayer. Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> right? Like, okay. Um, I think it's so much more important to, to recognize those questions and bring them back into our prayer, bring them back into our discernment. Yeah. Um, not in a way where it's like, Lord, everything's up in the air again, but but in a gentle way, right? Lord, I I've really been thinking about this. I don't know. And for me, when I when I've done that, especially about um, Amanda and I, it's always been a sense of, don't worry, don't worry, right? So then I can take that and just set it aside, right? Um, so I I think for for us in uh, in any of our vocational pieces, any of our discernments, there it's okay to have those moments um, 
less okay when we fixate on them and don't address them in prayer, right? And we, we let them run around. Um, I don't know, but I hope that helps. All right. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for singing earlier. That was amazing. The Holy Spirit had to hold me back from singing more songs. Usually like bands are sing more, but tonight it was like, stop singing. And so, um, but I am going to be back in South Bend for your final theology on tap. So there's going to be a number of speakers in the coming weeks and then I'll be back in town. It's always awesome to be home in the Midwest. And so, um, I'm going to do more of a concert, some more music and sharing my own original songs as well, not just La Bamba and, um, and less of me. Yes. Although maybe you'll sing because you know how you've been singing in your no, bass no, no, register no, 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 and country no. music lately? You gotta get your best friends to like step out of their comfort zone. Okay, so speaking of stepping out of our comfort zones, um, we wrote a book together, Father Matt and I, uh, called When God Wrecks Your Romance. Um, we explained how we came to write a book and about the support of my husband and of the congregation of Holy Cross and that helped to make this possible. But we each share our, our vocation story, our, our shared story in detail in this book. You've probably heard priests talk about their path to the priesthood before. You've heard lay people talk about their vocations, but have you heard and read the inside story from the priest and, you know, the girl? Okay, probably not, but it's here for you. So there's a table up there where, where you have these available for sale. All, all, Proceeds benefit the Feed the Children Fund. Those would be my children. Um, this is my first show in 16 months. They've been eating somehow, thanks be to God. Um, but I also have a patron card up there. If you, you know about patron, becoming a patron of an artist, right? Supporting them on a monthly basis, and then they send you like awesome songs every month, etc. So I'd love to talk with you about that if your heart is moved and you want to find out more but thank you so much for having me thank you so much for um having father matt traveled all the way from saint joe parish and i'll turn it back over to our mc and we'll see you over at our merch table thanks god bless thank you amanda and father matt